I'm Jessica, and this is Deba K Rambles, where a couple of friends review Korean dramas. And welcome to an episode that is not in a particular season. We're just in between seasons now, and we're actually not reviewing a Korean drama today. <laughs> <laughs> I have with me my very special friend, Miguel. Miguel, how are you? I am all right. Uh, thanks for having me. Everything is good. Uh, my heart's in pieces from this drama. Oh. I'm so uh, excited for this. <laughs> You're excited for this, yeah. Yes. So what had happened was I had a few people reach out to me on the Debak socials, and they were like, have you seen First Love, this J-drama? And I was like, no, it's in my queue. I really want to see it. I've been seeing a bunch of edits all over TikTok. People have been like, really? <laughs> like, been, they were going through it on TikTok. And I was like, I need to see it because it's trending and stuff. So uh, shout out to Isabella, who I'm not sure if she'll listen to this, but if she does, she is actually like a family friend who reached out and was like, hey, have you watched it? And she was like, please review it. So mm-hmm. I am going to, this is for Isabella and everybody else who wanted to hear our thoughts on First Love. So Thank you guys for being here. Thank you guys for for pressing play. If this is your first time listening, you can go ahead and subscribe on your favorite podcast app. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and many more. And if you like us, you can give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And like I said, I'm on the socials. I'm very active on there. So you can say hi and check out everything that we're doing. And you can find us on Twitter and Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at DebakPod. And lastly, if you're a fan, please consider becoming a patron because it's a really great way for you to get involved, to show your support, and to get a bunch of extra content because I'm constantly doing stuff on Patreon and <laughs> reviewing stuff and talking to you guys through there. So you can check out the page on patreon.com slash alwayscriticpod. And thank you, shout out to our patrons, Janet, Curtis, Bale, Cindy, CD, and Grace. Grace is a new patron. Thank you for being a patron, Grace. Well, okay, so I think we're on the other side of that <laughs> intro, so we can start in. This is not a final say episode. This will be uh, like a traditional sort of debuck episode. So we'll have a non-spoiler section and then a spoiler section. Okay. So I will go ahead and read the My Dramalist synopsis. It reads... In the late 90s, Yae and Haromichi met and fell in love. After graduating from high school, Yae went off to college in Tokyo while Haromichi joined the self-defense forces as an aviation student, and like that, they separated. One day, Yae suffered a tragic accident and 20 years passed without their lives intersecting again. Now Yae works as a taxi driver and Haromichi has become an employee at a security company after serving in the self-defense forces, both in the same city. About 20 years after their unfulfilled first love, fate brings them together once again. All right. So (laughs) (laughs) Miguel is making faces over here. So first love aired originally in its entirety on Netflix in November of 2022. It is only nine episodes long. It is directed and written by the same uh, lady. It's Yuri Hanchiko. I hope I didn't butcher her name. And it stars... Uh, we have some, I'll say like who is like the, I guess, present day cast and yeah. then the young cast. So the present day, we have Mitsushima Hikaru playing Yae. And then we have Sato Takeru. Is that, do you know how to pronounce his name? Sato Takeru. Yeah. Sato Takeru. And he plays Harumichi. And then we have playing the young Harumichi, Kido Taisei. 
Taise. I am so sorry, Guido. Yeah. <laughs> so he plays he knows young. His name. He knows his name. He knows I mean no harm. Uh, and then we have Yagi Rikako as Yae when she was young. Okay, so that's pretty much it for cast. Uh, <laughs> what did you think? Like you're already like you're like <laughs> immediately loved it. Like immediately we loved it. Yeah, loved it. Absolutely mm-hmm. loved it. Um, just. Right from the beginning, I could tell it was going to be something very special. Uh, I had seen the tr- the teaser for this through an Utada Hikaru fan site that I follow. Oh, got you. <laughs> so very important context. I've been a fan of Utada Hikaru since the very first album that came out. I stumbled upon it in a foreign music shop when I was really little. And I was like, oh, this sounds great. And I just ran with it. When I found out that this drama was based off of two of their songs it was like a whole thing so anyway mm-hmm. i saw the trailer i saw the cinematic value of it it just looks so it's directed within an inch of its life the cinematography <laughs> yeah. is beautiful uh the cast acts so well in it like the yeah. acting is so good i don't know i was just i was blown away from the very beginning i love it yeah. i love it so much okay so i really really liked the show i don't think i loved it because I just, I, maybe I wasn't left with a lingering feeling after I watched mm. it. Maybe like the first day I was like, wow. But then after that, I kind of just went on with my life. I didn't have such a drama hangover with it. <laughs> but I really appreciated what it was doing and how it was taking old, tired tropes and doing them in a in a kind of grandiose way. Like, what is what is the word that I'm looking for? Kind of like, if you usually experience these, these tropes and these cliches, in other forms of dramas and they're kind of like low level not it's like as, cheap. Yeah. yeah a little yeah. cheaper but like it, it does the job you like it or whatever you like the actress whatever in this context it is like an auteur taking yeah. care of these tropes it is a beautiful rendition of stuff that you've seen before and maybe that's why people kind of the criticisms that i've seen of first love say or like basically like it's nothing new it's not very unique mm uh yeah i mean i could the they subvert like you said they subvert so many of those tropes and so many there's so much stuff that they subvert that they're able to pull it off Mm. like a drama be it japanese american korean what have you anything that has amnesia in it immediately i check out i'm like right okay so that's a little bit of a spoiler but yes we'll get into it non-spoiler section we go Got it, got it. But there's so many, and we'll discuss this in the spoiler space, but there's so many tropes throughout that, like you said, they should make you roll your eyes. They should make you at least, you know, just kind of disregard them like anything else. But they're done so earnestly and with mm. so much intention that you're able to roll with it. And it does, at least for me, it didn't pull me out of it at all. Like it had me yearning for those pre 9-11 tropes those Hmm. mid-2000s romantic comedy tropes right i was so nostalgic for it throughout yeah i agree that the nostalgia was at an all-time high and uh you mentioned the cinematography i thought it was stunning beautiful stunningly shot beautiful really beautiful beautiful. uh some of the best work that i've seen in a j-drama like period i have not really dug my toes into day dramas so i feel terrible and like just popping in on this one that like made the rounds and commenting on it i think 
you're the one who kind of were like, oh, you got to get into some of these J dramas, and you recommended a few, and I watched a few back in the day, and then you gave you gave me <laughs> Hana Yori Dango on DVD yeah. <laughs> <laughs> as a gift because I had seen what is it like. Uh, I had seen the part one and part two or something. And Know Them Accountable too, I think. Uh-huh. And then yeah. you were like, the rest, like there's a movie and you can't really find the rest of it or something. Yeah. So you gave it to me on DVD. And I still have it. Like, I love it. It's so. so good. But there's so <laughs> few that look like this. Even a lot of fans have actually pointed this out. Um, a lot of J-dramas, and I, I love Japanese culture in general and Japanese media. But the J-dramas are really hard, at least for me, to get into. Mm. The acting is typically very um, animated. It's very yes. over the top. Like ve- I mean, like very over the yeah. top. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the color grading's not really there. The cinematography is not really there. It's very plain. And the storylines are good, but they're hard to get into. This one is an example of everything that a J-drama could be. Mm-hmm. And an even better example of like... If we get more dramas like this and we get the availability that this has, I don't doubt that J-dramas are going to have their own moment soon. Because even now, you know, Korean media just really just dominates everything. Mm -hmm. If we can get more media like this coming out of Japan, this is a very unusual J-drama, I guess is what I'm saying. It's Mm -hmm. This is not common at all. Not the acting, the cinematography, the length. It's so short. Yeah, nine episodes. It's so short. Normally, they're like 19 episodes, yeah, yeah. an hour and a half. Yeah. Too this much filler. This was really, really accessible. Yeah. With the nine episode and not not a, not a ton of fat to trim, really. Like, they didn't just nah. keep adding to the plot. Like, it was very simplified. Um, And I, I just think the soundtrack as well was really good. Yeah. Not just the, the Hikaru stuff. Yeah. Uh, it was just like every sna- like needle drop. I was like, "Oh my god!" Like this song. <laughs> they had every and what they had. Um, Death Cab for Cutie. Yes. Or rather, the Postal Service. Right. They had Blitz and Trapper at some point. <laughs> I'm like, uh, "Who told you about Blitz and Trapper?" Right. Like, right. There's some indie bands in there that I'm like, "This is a labor of love." Like, right. At this some point, I even changed the dub. I'm like, maybe it's just you know, like let me see if the other dub changed the music. Maybe like whatever. I'm like no, that's that's how this is great. Final. <laughs> <laughs> I I liked how there was a lot of symbolism throughout, especially with the colors and possibly the color grading as well, like mm-hmm. the color blue throughout and the color red versus the color red. And I felt that the the story was very how do I put it common but poignant at the same time. Very yeah. So I had a I had a, a good time, not a good time with it, but I was just like you know I was in my feels like you know yeah. I lit a candle when I was watching it like I was you know I had some twinkle lights it was like you know right after Christmas it was good. Um, the two songs that this show is based on are First Love and Hatsukoi. Mm-hmm. The songs are twenty years apart. Yeah, yep. And Hatsukoi is literally First Love, but in Japanese. Uh, the first song was written completely, just the title assigned in English, you know. So this was Udada's way of kind of end capping both. The first song is, and it's funny because a lot of the lyrics kind of peter out through the show, like, mm-hmm. oh, my first kiss tasted like cigarettes. And blah, yes. Blah, blah. And it's her talking in the present day, no matter what happens, you'll always be my first love. And then 
the latest one, it's just Utada recounting, oh yeah, you were my first love, and without you, this wouldn't have happened, and that wouldn't have happened, and this. So it was a great way to kind of end cap the two. Hmm. Like, I don't know. It's, it's a good device. It's a good, de- that's, yeah. yes. I like this device. I like the framing device. And if you're a fan of uh, Utada like you are, you're. I mean, you loved it. Loved it. You ate it up. Yeah. Oh yeah, immediately. I felt nostalgic for like, I don't know. I just felt this intense nostalgia mm. because as a fan of Utada's, there was a lot going on between that time too. And it's just, it, it's crazy because it hit me just as hard Hatsukoi when it came out as this drama wants people to feel because so much has happened between those two songs, even to Utada themselves. Like they had a whole kind of history with their mother and their family and their divorce like two divorces and all this other stuff so there's just such a heavy poignancy and there's kind of a parallel for their life and the show i don't Mm -hmm. there's just so many layers to this there's so many layers to it and i I was right on board from day one now i it we were celebrating your birthday Mm -hmm. we were at your birthday dinner and you're the one that was like have you seen this jay drama Actually, no, I asked you, did you see this J-drama? And you were like, I know, but I want to see it. I heard about yes. it. Mm-hmm. And I had no idea that they were basing that the, the Utara Hikaru of it all. Yeah. Until I started <laughs> watching the first episode. And I fin- I remember distinctly, I finished the first episode or something. And I texted you and I was like, have you started this? <laughs> and you were like, no, I haven't started it yet. And I was like, you're going to fucking Die, and like die, I, I did. I was like <laughs> coughing. I was shaking. I was like, there's parts of the show where I just started. So it's part reflex and part because I've had bronchitis the past couple of weeks. But like there was parts of this show where I was so gagged that I would just start hacking and coughing for like three minutes. I'd have to pause it. I'm like, no, no, no. <laughs> and we'll get into it, but it's just like, I'll point out exactly where that happened. Oh, perfect. But, okay, oh, yeah, because I do have episode by episode notes. I do have one more thing. Uh, yeah. Because I know I'm going to forget. So with the cinematography, there's something I adored. Adored. Mm-hmm. I spent most of the mid-2000s watching a lot of Japanese movies. In the flashback scenes, the flashbacks look the way mm. that most mid-2000s Japanese movies looked, had the green. They all had the same kind of color grading going on. Mm. So it wasn't just kind of like a nostalgic whatever. It was, that was intentional too. And I was like, "Ah, wow, that's great. I like it. I like it. Amazing details. Lots of amazing details. Absolutely. Talking about 90s nostalgia, um, I think the last time you were here on the regular Debug feed, because you might find Miguel on the Patreon feed, (laughs) um, we talked about... 2521. Yes. 2521 has very similar device or strategy yeah. You're killing for the drama. <laughs> I know. I, <laughs> no, I didn't know. I didn't know. Love, I didn't regret. Know. Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, it's 90s in the past. And then, of course, you have juxtaposed against present day. How do you feel about this kind of being trendy to have dramas talking about? a 90s love or first love or coming of age and then juxtaposing it with the present day which is wildly different so there's a couple of layers to that in general i love it um but the other thing is i've always been a firm believer that 80s nostalgia lasted 
way longer than it needed to. So I'm happy we're finally moving into the 90s and we can look well, at stuff we relate to. Pause, because I feel like 80s nostalgia lasted so long because the filmmakers and mm. you know screenwriters and people who make this entertainment who grew up in that time period are now sort of at phasing out of their career. Yeah. And people like us who grew up <laughs> in the 90s are starting to make these shows, this media. And that's why I feel like that's what's happening. Like the people that yeah. we grew up with are now in the industry and they're making movies, they're making shows about 90s nostalgia or mm. filled with 90s nostalgia. And we have a unique... Well, I wouldn't... Yeah, I mean, it is unique because we have a perspective that I like about these shows that we look... Because, yeah, we look back in more ways than one, right? We have our regrets, our goals, our loves, our dreams, our hopes, everything. But there's also this dividing line that we have. You know, we the 90s were very different from the 2000s. Oh, yeah. Like, very, very different. Uh, technology, cell phones the way we know the internet today like we kind of have an analog world like right here and then immediately after we have an extremely digital world Mm. and all of that kind of ties in it feels like these creators and it's earned you could see it in their work but these creators of our age that are going for our nostalgia it's almost like they felt like they've lived a very long time if that makes sense. Like, because these characters are what? In their mid-30s, maybe? maybe yeah, mid to 40s. late 30s. And the writer-director, I think, was born in 82 or 83. Yeah, yeah. So, it there it is. It feels like a long time because it's yeah. like two completely different eras. But I'm here for it. I'm here for this. I want more stuff like this. I want enough of this where I get tired of it. <laughs> I just want to see every interpretation of looking <laughs> back. Um, I don't know. I love it. I love it. I want to mm-hmm. see more like it. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I agree. <laughs> I don't mind it one hell of a bit. No. Yeah. Give me more regret and give me more love. <laughs> uh, I will read a couple of things from some reviews and articles about it. Mm. One thing is Phil Harrison from The Guardian wrote that it's tasteful, idealized, and at times a little antiseptic. Romance as designed by Marie Kondo. Mm. And I was like, that's rude. <laughs> that's... <laughs> That's scathing. To me, I'm like, that's... racist. (laughs) And racist because Marie Kondo. But I guess he's trying to mean, like, organized in the way that Marie Kondo has sold that concept. That's such a weird... So, first of all, I completely disagree. Mm. But also, what a... That's that's kind of a baffling review. He said tasteful, Uh, idealized. Sure. And at times, a little antiseptic. I would say tasteful, nostalgic, but I wouldn't say really antiseptic. Like, if anything, that was another thing I wanted to remark, and we'll get into it, but J-dramas in general are way more toned down than this. Like, a lot of J-dramas are very much like 7 p.m. family hour shows. Like, they don't really get into overly risque topics most of the time, let alone... A lot of I feel like the trend is is more to get yeah. into risque topics and have a little more and really a uh, time spicy <laughs> scenes and things like that in J dramas especially. Um, strange review, but that was strange. <laughs> that was a quote from that review. The vari- this variety article I thought was quite interesting. All right, not very long. 
Okay. But these two paragraphs I thought were, we could talk about. So the article says, Japanese content, with the exceptions like the hit 2020 sci-fi series Alice in Borderland, has been in the shadow of Netflix shows from nearby South Korea, including the global smash Squid Game. One reason Japanese content producers have long focused on their much larger home market while regarding global sales as an afterthought. Netflix, however, has been trying to change that mindset, and the success of First Love is a sign their efforts are bearing fruit, especially in Asia, where Japanese music, fashion, anime, and other creative content has made significant inroads. Okay. Yes. So I think they're on to something about J-dramas not necessarily... Uh, I guess evolving to fit an export right. mindset, which is this might not just be for the Japanese audience. This might be for somebody in, I don't know, Morocco or yeah. Italy or the UK. You know what I'm saying? Like this well, can be seen by everybody. And I think that's, where K-dramas have kind of thrived, not just like the partnership that Netflix has forged in Korea, mm. but yeah. Western I, influences I, on their work too. Lots of Western influences on their work. Japan has this thing. Um, it's been studied a lot. It's called Galapagos Syndrome. Uh, mm. It's very much that Japan is almost entirely Japanese. Like I think the rate, the last I checked was like 97%, which mm. is only a few Very homogenous. Extremely homogenous. But they have something else going for them that has been studied for a long time. It's why it took them forever to get smartphones, like why they kept on with their... They have very proprietary stuff. A lot of their stuff is very proprietary, very locked in. They're such an insular country that it's almost inconceivable to them to think of a global market in any way. Um, I remember when I actually saw Utada in concert uh, twice, like they were standing there and they're singing and whatever. And in one of their MCs, they told the audience, oh, wow, I can't believe you all know, you know, my music. It's like, you're probably like the biggest Japanese star. Like everybody, (laughs) like, of course, you know, people know Mm -hmm. your music. Mm -hmm. There's also the concept of just like, distribution in general getting korean media you can get korean media i was at target today there's mm-hmm. an entire shelf full of stuff japanese stuff isn't like that udada's latest concert went on netflix worldwide and that was pretty groundbreaking because you don't have any japanese concerts worldwide and even then you barely have japanese concerts on their own streaming services they're still buying blu-rays of this stuff and everything so i'm if this is like a Netflix decision, which it looks like it is because they're funding it and it's dubbed in like nine languages too, I'm here for it. I want them to like do more, please. Like give us more <laughs> Japanese content now. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. I think it could benefit from yeah. getting the Netflix treatment a little bit because I don't want to change necessarily the formula of J-dramas. No. But I do think that the distribution that Netflix brings to the table is paramount you know yeah it's inevitable at this point and it's inevitable at this point when people are already like searching asia for (laughs) media and content and you know the next big thing um i think they it's very easily j drama's worlds yeah coming next and i really enjoyed first love i i thought it was just heartbreaking you know very in a lot of ways. In a lot of ways. <laughs> in too <So>. many ways. 
In a lot of ways. We'll talk about those ways right after spoilers. But before we do, what would you rate this show out of five soju bottles? Uh, or wait, what's like a Japanese uh, drink? Like if it's not soju, like what? Sake. Sake. Oh, yeah. that, that was so easy. That was <laughs> that was slow pitch. I'm sorry. Uh, so <laughs> I caught it. I was here to catch. Okay. So <laughs> <laughs> what would you give this out of five sake? I would give bottles. it. Four and a half bottles of sake. Yeah. Okay. I would give it four, four bottles of sake. Yeah. But like the good, like peach, like sake. Yeah. I mean, Not yeah, the no. dry, no, no, no. hot sake. <laughs> 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 Miss me. <laughs> like never again. <laughs> oh my God. Okay. So we're going to get started talking spoilers right after this. <laughs> Hey, you want to come in? Okay, Miguel, we're on the other side of spoilers, so I would love to hear uh, what were some of your favorite... Well, we can go episode by episode, too. There's not even that many episodes to right. talk through. Um, I think I started taking notes in episode two. Did you have anything for episode one? I only took abstract notes throughout the entire show. Okay, perfect. So we can you can just pop in with whatever notes you have yes. as I kind of go through and talk about what stood out to me in each episode. So Please. for episode two, um, I have this quote uh, from Yaya. She says, um, people are made up of memories and encounters. Actually, no, he, she didn't even say that. You know, that was that there was that like pick me dude yeah, who's working yeah. with her. <laughs> And kind of like shot his shot and was like asking her out and like flirting aggressively with her. Yeah, and yeah. he was very like, I don't know, very endearing as a matter mm, of fact. Yeah. In his own way. Like yeah. I I didn't feel like it, the ick from him at all. Like I was just like, I mean, he's sweet. He's it's trying, just there's nothing yeah. there. Like, yeah. So anyway, he's the one that said people are made up of memories and encounters. And she responds, encounters are just coincidences. I don't believe in fate, which is a huge theme of the show. Yes. Where Yaya now in the present day does not believe in fate, doesn't really believe in love anymore. And what is going to happen during the course yeah. of the show that makes her change her mind, right? In in the first episode, she does say something that really hit me. She's like, looking oh. back, I wonder what happens to a dream that doesn't come true. And I was like... I got goosebumps right now. That's when I started coughing violently. Like, right there. I was like... <laughs> I I think that in episode two, and I was talking about that quote and that convo between her and the other taxi driver, they're eating shrimp. Yes. I had a whole crisis about (laughs) how they ate the shrimp. So they were eating the shrimp whole, not taking off like the exoskeleton or the legs or anything. I was like... Like it was giving me something, and I had no idea how to respond to that because Full blown just crunch when right she in. said my favorite food is shrimp, I was like, okay, sis, like live it up. <laughs> they go have shrimp, and it comes out whole. And I was expecting them to take it, the meat out of the exo, like the hard part of the yeah. shrimp. And they had all kinds of like crawfish and whatever. Yeah, yeah. They just she just noshed on it, like. I, like, was taken aback. So did you feel any type of way? Was this okay for you? I mean, that was fine for me because that's actually how I've been eating shrimp. You you do not eat shrimp. You do do eat shrimp shrimp like that? that? Yeah, Yeah, just straight in. I never considered 
that that was strange until I saw somebody else do it. So when I saw this, I was like, oh, wait, that looks off. Because <laughs> my brother points out, did she just did she just eat that shrimp? Like, did she yeah. take it off? She just robbed like, out yeah, that shrimp. Yeah, just for crunch. Like. <laughs> oh, my God. I have a funny story real quick because I was That's on a okay. business trip a few years ago before COVID. And uh, we ate at this restaurant and I ordered um, like shrimp. Like, it was like a cocktail shrimp or whatever. Yeah. And it came in a little, like, sort of martini glass looking thing. And I started panicking immediately because all the shrimp were placed kind of facing out of the, the yeah. cup and all of the heads were still on it. Oh. And I was like, oh, I started, like, freaking out because you don't want to, like, freak out in front of, uh, like, co-workers and much less, like, people that you're, like, doing business with. So no, for sure. I was, like, no. I was like, what am I going to do? Do I have to send this back? I, am I going to have to, like, de, like, de-exoskeleton, like, like yeah. this whole thing? Yeah, like, and I was, like, freaking out. And as soon as the first, the first one I picked up and, like, the head kind of fell off. And I was like, oh, my God, thank God, it's just for show. <laughs> so I was able to eat, eat the shrimp and not have a full-blown meltdown. I was in the middle of a menti TV when that thing came. And I was like, I can't, I can't like, have a meltdown here at this table. Anyway, no. so I instead had a meltdown while watching the sh- this show, like, first love. A breakdown is much better, like, when you have it vicariously. It's much right, better when it's not it's happening, not happening to you. <laughs> You're like, I could just fast forward this. It'll be all right. Right, right, right. <laughs> I was literally, I was like, I is it good that way? Like, what does it taste like with the, I mean, it's got to be so hard. And I was like, really just stewing about it. So anyway. It's, I mean, it's one of those weird things because like even sunflower seeds, like I remember in high school, uh-huh. people would stare at me like I have six heads because I don't break them open. I just chew on them. You just okay. Thing, do you just suck seed. on them and then like swallow them, or do you spit them yeah, out? Yeah, I, I eat the whole thing. Like the you seeds eat the whole all. thing. Yeah. Oh. And someone's like, "You're supposed to break them open." I'm like, "Who has?" Oh, I'm sorry, I don't have time for that. Like, <laughs> I'm not. Gonna yeah, say I don't want to be okay. So, <laughs> side note, I don't want to be this person that's like, "This is the only way you can eat this food. Every other way is wrong." Hmm. Um, I'm not that type of person. But if it if I've never seen it before in my life, I am gonna freak out and then I'm gonna try and understand it. And Fair. that's what this is like. Fair. That's this whole thing is is me trying to like well so is it good though like what it's good it's good at least it's good that's good yeah i mean all right it's complete oh my god okay so back to episode two they watched the titanic yes bro when they went to go see the titanic i was like i am is this really happening in the show like and then she had gone to see it, a, seen it a bunch of times. Three times. And that Three would have been times. the fourth time watching it. Yeah. That and was really so realistic. That yeah. was realistic. Yeah. Because that movie, did, that movie you know. ran for like nine months or something. It had yeah, one of the longest runs ridiculous. ever. People mm-hmm. saw it multiple times. Like so many times. So mm-hmm, I mm-hmm. love that nod where they're like, but you've already seen it like three times. She's like, I don't care. And then he's like, yeah, but it's also part of her. Uh, yeah, no. And then he's like struck by the movie. She loves what she loves. And I felt immensely for her just kind of doing things over and over, like listening to the same song over and over again or watching yes. the same movie over and over again, like Titanic. It's a character trait that is so well represented in this touch point like it titanic is a touch point in the zeitgeist right so i love that they 
did all like all of this wrapped together in this one scene of them going to see Titanic and then of course they leave the theater and they reenact the scene <laughs> at the stern of the boat. I loved it. They're just standing I thought it was over really that little good. balcony. Yeah. And she's, and she's like, like it's so staring. embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> like who who didn't do that at no, some who point? Among us? Like I yeah. think everybody did it. Yeah. yeah. It, that's something that I loved about it. Like even at that point we see so much of the attention to detail in this is nuts. Like mm. in the background, you see posters for other popular albums at the time, other movies that are going on. Um, her CD collection is like the biggest CDs of that year. Like <laughs> Bjork's Homogenic was oh, in that pile. God, and I was like, Bjork. oh, there she is. <laughs> but like everything it, it just, I liked it because it they avoided that trope of like, oh, it was the 90s, so we were playing hacky sack and, and look at my trapper keeper. Like, you know what I mean? It was very organic. It was so well established. The world building was great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, so uh, I think at the end of episode two, they finally meet face-to-face hmm. thanks to her son, who is a stalker. What yeah. do you think of his son? He's so, <laughs> shaking your head. <laughs> We uh, hmm. this the whole show is questionable in a way of like is this romantic? But mm. their subplot specifically like gave me the ick at first. I was like, okay, so you're immediately liking this girl's posts. What did he hold on to? Like her hair tie or something? It was a hair tie. Yeah, he's holding on to this girl's hair tie. Um. What's his name? Yeah. So the son, Susuru, is, has a love interest, uh, Tsunemi, who's kind of like a video girl, influencer, whatever, mm-hmm. finds her hair tie, holds onto it, and watches her story to see where she'll be in town. This to is an argument her. to never post your current location on social media. That's just right. safety 101. Later gramming has to be the vibe. Right. Right. And it was, I guess if he, I guess it didn't creep me out. And logistically, it's terrifying. Right. But because he was pretty endearing about it. You know what I mean? Like, he was very innocent. Like there was nothing uh, malicious about him going to see yeah. her, which is the only saving grace only for one. him effectively stalking her. Yeah, he was flat out stalking. She even calls him out. She's like, wait, so are you like a stalker or something? She did say And that. he's like, no, I just, I wanted to see you. And it's like, oh, okay, he's 14, you know, he's a bit sheltered, has sh- stressful, a stressful dad who like really hammers down on him. So whatever, it's fine, I guess. <laughs> but yeah, logistically, it's terrifying. But in practice, in this context, I was fine with it. Like, you were fine. Right. I was yeah. like... Uh, cringing a bit with the with Susuru but anyways so they finally meet she goes to pick him up and he's there he recognizes her yeah and she doesn't "Ah." yeah she doesn't recognize him and it's such a moment and he He doesn't say anything he starts as soon as they leave he looks he just looks on and like one single tear falls so like what opt one perfect tear and the episode ends, and I'm like, what is going on? Like, why doesn't she recognize him? Come to find out. Yeah. Next episode. Yeah. he The amnesia. So, <laughs> amnesia. And I was so... I rolled my eyes into a mm. new dimension. 
<laughs> like when it's like she gets hit by she okay let's walk through this yeah she yeah, gets yeah. hit by a car and suffers amnesia specifically for like what the last two, three years yes four years or something which is her high school career right so and their entire relationship well it's actually four years so i guess it's in high school and her what her first or second year of college yeah give or take yeah, yeah. okay okay <laughs> like, yeah all right oddly specific that's so specific and it shouldn't work like like i am taking a even with how much i like it i'm taking a huge leap over mm. that plot like mm. i am pole vaulting that plot like i have to suspend <laughs> that like not even suspension i need to expel that from my right. school of thought because right. like if i think about it for even a little too long it the whole thing falls apart i agree but you know what fine she gets hit by a car and she has like amnesia fine mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but that was so distressing because uh yes mom uses that as an mm-hmm. opportunity to be like yes. all right well this is going to be hard for her and i didn't right. really like you that much anyway so stay yeah. away from my daughter the the mom sort of blamed him yeah she's like he's like supposed when to, it was she's supposed to be in your care you said you were going to take care of her yeah we're, we're, weren't you with her and she like shoves him and stuff and of course he's like already cut up and extremely emotional about his girlfriend getting run over by a car like that's she not miss enough <laughs> She didn't miss a beat, bro. She was quick with the whole, like, come see me for a second. She, ne- Yeah, and never sees him again. <laughs> like, <laughs> never again. Yeah. Um, I just, uh-uh. uh, there's something about the mom. So, anyway, she, <laughs> when she has, when Yai has no memory of him, and she pulls him aside and tells him not to see her for a while to just focus on his own life, I was like, this is starting okay. Yeah. He, then he says he swears he'll protect her. And that's when the mom comes in with this blow. She says, you can barely wipe your ass. And shoves age and naivety in his face. And I thought, this is brilliant writing. Because my parents would have said the same exact line. Dead ass. Dead, Dead ass. ass. Yeah, they would have been like, like, you like don't even. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a universal sentiment it's like you can barely wipe your own ass how are you supposed to take care of my daughter focus yeah. on your life go away i was like oh All right. but the, but then after that it just kind of devolves because the mom is trying to right the wrongs of her own life and yeah. trying to um be an architect for her daughter's life and that's like there's a, a line there that she crossed at some point i think it was and she turns into a villain the yeah. letters so um <laughs> that's the next episode because she she hangs on to all the letters that he sends her yeah every and single one every single one of them and i just have in my notes wtf what the fuck no legit, legit it turns into the notebook for like for some reason which is an active it's not even like she's passively trying to keep him out of her life no she's actively erasing accepting every letter she's like we're not gonna go through this Mm -hmm. uh taking all of them throwing them in a box completely unopened it's it's gut-wrenching and then Mm -hmm. harumichi shows up one day oh is that the next episode well so pause that because the last thing i want to talk about for episode four is when Mm -hmm. her high school 
BFF shows up and comes to visit. Oh, that was so sad. So painful and awkward. And when the friend leaves, like she turns around and does that little like Vogue dance yeah, that, <laughs> that they, they had to done do prior. And yeah. Like, <laughs> and Aya just like shrugs and smiles a bit and doesn't obviously return the Vogue ritual to her. Yeah. Completely and lost I just, the I, secret dance. I thought this was devastating. Like as oh, yeah. a person who has done like stupid shit like that when I was a kid and growing up as a teenager and having best friends with like secret handshakes and shit. If like if I was a year or two removed from that, yeah, my friend loses their memory and I go to like try and jog it and like try and hang out with them and it's all gone. Everything is gone. I I mean, they never return to that best friend. They never no. like round out that story with a BFF that so came to visit. So we know how that ended, yeah. Like it, I mean, it that's it. Like that's the end of the friendship. Yeah. It's so tragic and it's that I think that was a theme that really crushed me throughout the whole thing, right? Whereas like what was it? I, I always mess up the numbers. It's 21, 20, 20 25, 21. <laughs> I always mess them up. And I love the show dearly, but I can never remember. But it's kind of like as as a par- not a parallel, but kind of like as a comparison to that, the whole concept of that one is you never forget your first love. And this one should be the same thing. But what do you do when you love somebody so much and you never stop thinking about them and you bump into them and they're like, who? Like, mm. like that theme throughout the whole thing, like her memory. That's I think there it is. That's why I'm able to forget forgive the amnesia thing, because we got multiple angles of that. Mm. If it was just like, oh, I don't remember my boyfriend. I don't think the show would have worked. I think because they took the time to show the things that she doesn't remember, it really fleshed everything out. Like, they show her losing friends. They show her not doing so well at her job. Mm. Like, it it affected every part of her life. It's crushing. Right. It was crushing because she had uh, not just losing friends and losing her boyfriend or the, the love of her life, essentially. She did badly in school after that. Yeah, and she was a star before. She was she was a star student. Yeah, she had all this potential. She wanted to be a flight attendant. That was her dream, and it all goes down the drain when she gets hit by the car and gets amnesia. Yep, and there we are. (laughs) So I I was gutted. Laughing. I know. I know you. Like, if anyone's like, "Why is Miguel laughing?" Like, just don't worry about it. (laughs) No, it's it's a nervous tick. I promise. Yeah, it's just like you know, laugh so you don't cry. Basically, couldn't be me. (laughs) Can't do it. (laughs) (laughs) So (laughs) I agree that that was gut wrenching, and they did a pretty good job of showing the far reaching effects of the amnesia and the forgetful past. Um. I think in episode five, the only thing I have written down here is Namichi's sister gets married. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Her sister. Oh, my God. Yeah, his sister. sister. Love that character. Amazing. I don't think I've ever seen a deaf character in a Japanese drama, let alone one where. No kidding. As a primary one? No, I haven't. Yeah, she was integral, I thought. Oh, yeah. She was one of the primary characters. I looked forward to seeing her on screen. Me too. She was so much fun. Yeah. Like, loved her. And everybody signing with her just, like, the whole time. I was, like, so here for that. Did your heart just, like, get pulverized when Yai, like, starts speaking to her in the in the flashback? Yes. Yes. She starts speaking to her in Japanese sign language. I, and hands her, what was it, like the butter or something? Yeah, uh, she tells her, 
Oh yeah, I remember this. She tells her, um, "I can, I can pass you the. It was like a ranch sauce. Mm. I get, or no, the uh, what is that called? Tartar sauce. She's like tartar sauce. You the tartar sauce, but and then she signs that. And what I loved about that, she was signing phonetically. She wasn't signing like in big concepts. Like if like this is house, she was actually like spelling out house. Oh, so she was trying really hard to do it phonetically, and. That gutted me when she's like, oh, if you mix it with lemon, it's even better. And the sister's just like shocked. And she's like, really? And everyone's like, you you learned how to sign? Of course. I wanted to talk to your sister, too. I, I wanted like, to started run crying. into a wall. I was like, I started no. crying. Like, I was like, look, if I was dating a high school boy, like in high school, and it was, I felt it was pretty serious. I loved him. And his sister knew sign, was deaf. I mean, how long did it take her to learn Japanese sign language? Like marry them, you know what immediately, I'm saying? Immediately, like that. I was is like, like, that is <laughs> that wife her up immediately. Like that is uh, goes well above and beyond the the Call of Duty here. She really incredible. I she was blown to be away. Invested. She wanted to yeah. be able to speak with the sister and i was just like wow this there is was beautiful. such an effort on yay's part to be part of his family mm-hmm. and be uh just i don't know like a, a sibling a daughter to the family yeah she she really put in the work and i like the way that they framed that too because the sister was like oh is she coming over today again like she yeah, was like the sister insecure. was like not jazz at all to meet the girlfriend. Yeah, because as soon as like he starts dating her, she's basically gonna lose an older brother. So that's what she was worried about. And instead, she gained a sister. So I was like, <laughs> stop it. <laughs> Fuck. So I was, like, no. <laughs> I was like, no. So episode five, she gets married, mm-hmm. and uh, Namichi does this speech in sign language as well. Like he's um, signing as he speaks. And he says, I believe all encounters and partings may be guided by fate. Every event is an irreplaceable piece, which is a direct callback to episode one yes. when Yaya says that she doesn't believe in fate and her coworker talking about encounters and coincidences. And I was like, oh, my. Oh, my God. Like, oh God. by all logic, they shouldn't have met in any way like after what happened happened mm. Mm. i love her approach to it too. in the first episode she actually mentioned something about she's like if life is a puzzle is, is a big puzzle what happens to the pieces that just go missing you just got to keep building around it and mm. it's like no you you find those pieces and you put them back uh, <laughs> like, <laughs> right she was just kind of content to leave the pieces missing hurt her, her it, would trauma response be the word? I mean, her... I mean, I don't know. Possibly. It's probably that, but the way that she copes with having lost her memory, having not fulfilled her dreams throughout the show, rejecting fate, like, this woman looks like she is one bad day away from bursting into tears. And mm. it happens a few times throughout, which is what I love about her character. She's very strong and steadfast in what she believes in, but like it starts to just wear her down like her yeah it's hurting her really not care and she's like yeah no i had to learn not to care because Mm. you get when you're lonely you just learn how to live with it and i'm like i don't think you've learned how to live with it like you don't god you ever see someone who's trying to fit like a different mold and trying to be different and it's hurting them oh yeah for sure in the long run because that's just not who they are truly 
And that's what she did for 20 years. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> that's what makes the show if anybody so i, I want to say to anybody who's listening if you're wondering like this is the thing about why this show is sad because by the end of it i'm pretty like you know whatever we'll get there when we get there but <laughs> the reason it's so sad it's just because everything you see is within the lens of who she was before and who she is now mm. so even when she talks in normal conversation you see how losing her memory affected her so whenever we just go back to flashbacks, even touching moments like, oh, yeah, like I learned how to sign for your sister's gut wrenching because we know nothing came of that. Like all mm-hmm. of that just vanished for most mm-hmm. of her life. It's sad. <laughs> I mm-hmm. can't. Yeah. So episode six, I have a ton of notes for. I don't know if you have mm. a lot of notes for episode six, but. I need to hear this. <laughs> okay. So she's definitely, the Yai is definitely type A because she's always prepared for the worst case scenario. And Namichi, on the other hand, is super laid back. And he makes them late for this day trip that they were going to take. Yes. And he suggests that they go see her dad instead in Tokyo after she expresses that she just doesn't see him that often. She doesn't right. see her dad that often. Her mom doesn't like it, whatever. So they meet her dad. They yes. go to Tokyo and they meet him. She has a meal with him. And her dad is dressed in like this all white suit. So strange. He <laughs> with a like white hat. <laughs> he looked like, I thought he looked like a pimp. Like I was just like, <laughs> what is this super polished dude? He reminded me of uh, the white suit villain guy mm-hmm. in Indiana Jones 3. Yeah, 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 yeah. Or uh, I don't know if you've seen Pachinko, but Imino's character in Pachinko has the exact same really? look. Yeah, oh with God. the suit and the white hat and stuff. I can't with the yeah. white suit. I just think of Mr. Bro, Frosty's ice cream. That's all. It I is think such of. a. How do I put it? Like you know everything there is to know about the dad mm. by just the wardrobe choice. Yeah, yeah. You could tell he's kind of like. I guess that's their version of like kind of like a flashy sleaze ball. Mm. Like that's what it seems like immediately. Mm. Mm. And then giving her a Mont Blanc pen. I mean, it's a nice pen. Yes. But like, so let's talk about this. That's next on yeah. my list of stuff in episode six so he gets he's very he's very kind to her yeah. i think yeah and he gives her the really mop nice. block pen he seems fine enough right like he's not act antagonizing or abusive or mean or anything or neglectful he makes time to see her mm-hmm. it was a spontaneous trip to tokyo and he's there he wants to see her pays for the best meals makes right talk, right ask how the mom's doing everything. yeah like he's fine he's very charming and he gives her a mont blanc pen fountain pen for her graduation gift which i found was a callback to one of the earlier episodes when in the present day Yai is trying to buy a gift a birthday gift for her son yeah. and can't decide what to get him she ends up giving him an amazon gift card which we got to talk about that i guess yeah, but there's a whole thing it's a whole thing about that i feel but she can't decide what to get him and she ends up looking at these luxury fountain fountain pens with what seems like a glint of nostalgia or longing but right. technically she doesn't remember the Mont Blanc right. pen, giving her the Mont Blanc pen. It's within that realm of amnesia timeline or whatever. Right. So somewhere in there, she's like, this might be a good present. But right. I don't think she ever manages to link it together. No, she doesn't. We do as an yeah. audience. When we see this flashback now in episode six, we're like, oh, shit, the pen. So <laughs> I love when he tells her to choose a word or a phrase to always test out a new pen with to see if it writes well. And, she and whether because he's a charming liar or a loving father, 
Like he writes down her name. That's what he uses to test out every pen that he buys. That was so sus to me. I was like, me too. All right. Like I was like, you and um, every other girl you've met. (laughs) I was like, that's not probably not true. But anyway, so she writes down Namichi's name. Yeah. And then he gets pissed. He's like, oh, no. Oh, come on. Like, I didn't it's give just... you that pen to do that. And it's like, okay, <laughs> well. <laughs> Very dad of him to be like, you can't write a boy's name down. Like, no, that can't be your, your word that you use every time. Uh, what would be your word, though? Like, if you were a connoisseur of fountain pens, what would be the phrase or term that you use to test it out? The phrase that I actually use, because I do test out a lot of pens, I write a boat beneath a uh, summer sky. That's what I always write. It's like a part, it's like this poem that's like inside of uh, Alice in Wonderland, a boat beneath the summer sky, lingering onward dreamily on the something of July, da, 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 da. But I like the way that that writes in cursive, and I like the way that it writes in English, or rather in print. So... I like to see it both. And I also do two more. I do my signature and I do um, Olivia. I write Olivia. Why Olivia? It's the perfect word slash name to write in cursive. Like it's perfect. It has all the loops. The It has a dot in it. It has the A. Like it has so much going for it. My mom's is Vive Dios. Like she puts Viva that because she, she has oh. the V, the I, the everything. It's the letters that you write the most. I like Olivia because it shows, like, it does, okay, a big O, a loop, an L, an I. Like, it covers it all and all those things. Those are mine. But I also mm. love pens, like, a <laughs> lot. What about yours? I don't recall the last time I bought a pen. I usually really? inherit pens from other people. <laughs> You're like, uh, Whoopi Goldberg and Ghost. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> That is such a deep cut, bro. <laughs> I can't believe you mentioned that. I just heard a podcast on ghosts the other day. Oh, my God. And I, fun fact, I saw, <laughs> this is terrible. I went to go see, my parents were like, mm. there's this very famous, very old dinner theater in our city. Mm. Do you guys want to go see Ghost? They're they're performing Ghost, what the musical. The ghost, the musical. It was musical. a musical performance oh of God. Ghost. As in the movie Ghost with Patrick Swayze. And I was like, why not? So like we went and Mm. it was equal parts lame and actually good because like the performances were actually good. But then I was like eating like a mediocre meal in like dim lighting. (laughs) Everybody there was like 80 years old. Like our family was very young compared to everybody else's table. So... I can't believe you brought up ghosts like that because I have, for some reason, a lot of stuff happening with ghosts recently. It must be in the ether. It's out there somewhere. (laughs) Okay. So Whoopi Goldberg tested with a pen and ghosts. Always has to keep it. Always. Oh, God. Yeah. So I'm basically Whoopi. I'm like, well, somebody gave me a free pen. I'll keep it. But I have received a very nice pen once in my life. I wrote my name. Okay. I mean, that's as good a thing as any. Yeah. 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 (laughs) <laughs> it's i can't believe that i asked you this question it's you such an archaic stuff. concept it, true it's, but you're right like that's such a funny question to ask because that's a huge part of my mom and i's relationship 
like we love pens like i have a drawer full of pens i've never used like i order so many pens and pencils and like leads and like in school for lead pencils it's like are you 0.5 or 0.7 i'm like no i'm 0.3 i get (laughs) they're like oh never mind Anyway, but yeah, that's that's a common thing we do. We'll go to a store, and if they have stationary pens, we're always writing our phrases all over the place on the <gasps> sample pads. Like, I love pens. So so yes. I that hit me really hard the in the show. Thing I was like, wrote ah, you- the pens thing wrote you. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Well, damn. So. <laughs> Sorry, that was <laughs> How do so I segue? unexpected. <laughs> How do I segue into what, what's the next thing? So, well, his, okay. What's her relationship with her dad? What did you think of his da- her dad? Let's talk about it, because... First of all, Namichi talks with the dad, mm. and uh, si- the dad like sizes him up and like, oh, yeah. like he walks around Namichi in like such a way, and asks what he likes about Aya. What do you like about my daughter? And he chalks it up to fate. He's like, nothing can make him change his mind, not even her father, that he wants to be a good man for her, even if he doesn't really have much to offer right now or know what that means really sized him right and back i was up like he threw well right damn back at him. That he was did i was like namichi me. he's like Baby. yeah it's meant to be whether her father likes it or not and he's like Uh-oh. yeah and the dad uh. was like you fucker bro <laughs> <laughs> you little fucker <laughs> but then we we see that what night it's really giving this is something that i liked and i i'm it, it was most likely intentional, but I, I really appreciated it, right? Because if you've ever been with somebody or had a friend who you know how their parents are behind closed doors, but you mm. also know how they are publicly, mm. that parent that everybody loves and everything. And from an outside perspective as a viewer, mm-hmm. it reminded me of that. Like I would mm. have friends who their parents are super magnanimous. Right. Oh, yeah, well, but wings and pizza for everyone and beers all around and whatever. But behind closed doors, like, the way that kid feels about their parent is always very different. Mm, yes. I found that such a fascinating dynamic, like, how all it took was Harumichi saying, oh, um, yeah, I think your dad, like, your dad seems like a nice guy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And Yaya just lets it out. She's, she's like, no, she, he's not a nice guy. Like, he abandoned me and my family. And even when I did the best I could, he still put everything else before me. Like, this floodgate of trauma. And he's just yeah. standing there like, oh, I guess he's not a nice guy. <laughs> I loved that moment. I thought was it was great. necessary. I thought it was powerful. And yeah, you're absolutely right that it plays into this dichotomy of, a, a, I guess, a persona that people have, like, when they're in public. And then what is the true story like what is For the sure. actual history that we're not talking about on a daily basis and i like she just goes into like well my dad's a liar yeah and she and, knows uh, that he, very no, well he, yeah <laughs> like, and I she's i fucking love this whole a uh, scene and the way she describes it and how her um he got another woman pregnant left her mom her mom got pregnant to in to spite him basically and try and trap him and then he just goes and abandons both of them and they have this flashback scene where she is making eye contact with her older sister outside Mm -hmm. of her school that was so bizarre i what did you think of this like this whole concept of there's another family like he has a whole other life a whole other family he didn't choose us and yeah. I have a half sister out there. I thought and it was she, interesting. he loves her more. He could potentially love her more. 
Right, most likely, because if he, or at least he was willing to stick around and not leave, but it, it was a weird concept, because I thought that when I saw that, I thought they were going to expand on that a lot more than they actually did, mm. but, you know, they only revisited it once after that, but it was still an important moment. Like I thought it, yeah, yeah. I love that, and I, I love the idea that on some level, when she's choosing which school, when Yai is choosing what school she wants to go to. She puts that school because she knows her sister is there, her half-sister. Mm. But that's the only reason why. And we see how that plays out, which she just noped out of there. Well, I... <laughs> so I think the the thing that we haven't said is that Aya feels anxious about her relationship with her father. And she doesn't want to mess it up because she feels that he might leave entirely and she won't have any yeah. relationship with him at all. So the fact that she like puts down her sister's school on that list of potential like schools, what was that exactly? It was like your first um, choice, second choice, third choice school. Yeah, which school you would like to go for to. For high school placement or something. Yeah. And she chose that school, which was a apparently Private. like a prestigious private school what was it an called expensive like sacred school. heart or something like that yeah it looked like it was something. catholic or something I don't know. yeah whatever so i thought that was an attempt to try and be like her sister yeah i could see that yeah like my sister has all these good things right she has a a family mm-hmm. a, a whole family mother and father her dad was and willing to stick around because look at how great she's doing he cares enough to put her in a private school mm-hmm. in a nice school good education and she seems like she's thriving that was the other thing too she was kind of like ha 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 like with her friends and stuff i is a loner yeah very uh introverted she's an introvert very introvert very codependent with her mother too mm. like very like just isolated too so i really feel like her putting down her sister's school was like i'm just as good as she is I could see that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. That makes sense. Which is (laughs) difficult. It's so difficult at the same time, especially when you see how her mom is reacting to her putting down those three schools. And the mom is like, well, I'll make it happen if you want it to. But there is so much subtext that the mom is not saying. And Aya is picking up. And she's like, well, my mom really doesn't want me to go to this school. Right, she didn't want him anywhere. Or like, look at when they went back. Like mm. when they went back from that little trip, when yeah, and and uh, Harumichi went back home, the mother was there waiting for them. I was like, oh, welcome home. How'd it go? I called your friend's parents. So where were you when you said you when you were mm. lying to me? And it turned into this whole thing. Yeah, she really doesn't want her to have anything to do with her dad. He must have been that bad. Oh. did a number on them so of course namichi consoles aie when she's like well my dad was a liar and he did all this and i feel so anxious and i'm not i'm i'm not the daughter that he wanted and yeah. you know he says he won't leave her he'll be with her always my one of my favorite tropes mm. happen or cliches happens they miss the last flight yes <laughs> <laughs> when this happened i was like yes this is my one of my favorite things that happens in k-dramas and c-dramas and all that shit they miss the last flight miss the last train they gotta spend the night 
Mm, and it's so romantic it's so good so uh they have this scene at the motel room which is very intimate i thought especially when they were kind of just what they were just sitting on the bed together and he's like okay well time to go to bed and he starts to get up (laughs) and she's like no 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 (laughs) no it's fine yeah yeah (laughs) she initiates the sex and there was consent there because he asked her like are you sure and she's like yeah and then of course we never very romantic yes tender i love that word we know obviously we don't see anything explicit um but it was it was good i thought it was very tasteful I thought so too. Yeah, especially with how young they were, I was like, oh, "Okay, mm-hmm. this is this is romantic." Like camera cuts to the curtains, nineteen forty style romance. So I can I can <laughs> stop <dig>. it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you reminded <laughs> you reminded me of the Truman Show, where they had the people like the audience members in the real world are talking about well they don't ever show anything they just show like the curtains moving or like trees (laughs) swaying outside they never show them like doing anything oh my god oh my god oh it just plays into that whole thing that you were talking about like the 1950s yeah that's so romantic so much there's a lot of hot stuff going on over here just behind this window pane (laughs) yeah (laughs) oh man okay it's very titanic what with the car and all with yeah <laughs> not at all like titanic not at all like titanic what are you am I, talking am i am i remembering this wrong titanic no. you know what get, like, i've only seen it once full length and then the rest i saw it on usa you're so. kidding well, you're that, kidding who has the time well they're like, re-releasing it oh, watching it in theaters oh, next month. oh no no i'm absolutely it's been 25 going. years of titanic they're re-releasing it in theaters okay Right, so yeah, anyways, sorry. Miguel, watch Titanic. That is not at all what the sex scene is I like. Titanic. Okay. So we jump to present time. This is all episode six still. So mm-hmm. we jump to present day. Uh, Harumichi and Yai go up this mountain. Yes. Which they went up together when they were in high school. She has no recollection, of course. And right. she asks him almost in a giddy way, like, what was he like in high school? Oh God. Oh God. <laughs> I was like, how is he even on his feet right now? Cause that alone would shake me up. Oh yeah. Would gut that me. would shake me up. Yeah, it would gut me. And then they get up to the top, they see the view, it's nighttime, and she inexplicably starts crying, seeing the view of the city. And she doesn't know why. She like, doesn't know why. Oh it's so it's so heartbreaking because it's all there. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. all there. And she has a few moments throughout the show like that where she'll just start crying and not even know why she's crying. Right. She'll quickly right. wipe it away. She's like, no, I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry. It's, it's like her body so remembers. Yeah. Uh, her body her finds it improbable doesn't... that she has. <laughs> <laughs> her or body's like when not she fi- Later, she finally meets the sister again. I'm not. I'm going to go back to the yeah, mountain yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. But she meets the sister again, and the sister's talking in uh, sign language, and she immediately like busts out with sign language. She didn't even realize that she knew. Yeah, I, I was like, like you know I'm sign language. Yeah, I, I guess so. It just, which the ethics of all this we'll talk about later. Like the, the ethics. ethics of like, yeah. There's a there's a conversation to be had there, but let's get back to the mountain. <laughs> like, okay, so the mountain. He ends up asking her what she was like in high school, and then he says, "I bet you were radiant as you are now." This is this whole scene is interspersed 
with a flashback of her English speech competition. Yes. Where she gives this speech about dreams and it's full of optimism. And she ends the speech saying, someday too, I can fly. I I couldn't deal with it. I broke I down during that speech. I was very distraught yeah. by the way that they edited this scene with the flashback of her being super optimistic and she has all of this potential and she wants to be this flight attendant. That's her dream. And she's talking about flying at the end of this English speech. And then they cut to the present and she says this. This is like a monologue, basically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She says, I try not to think about it, what my past was or what my future might be. I don't think about giving up my dream and my life living with Susuru. My shameful past where I didn't accomplish anything. I don't have any hopes for my future either. I'm done getting my hopes up for nothing. But you know, sometimes very occasionally, I get this inkling, a vague sense, in my negligible and insignificant life, deep down at its core, that I've lost something critically important. I couldn't deal with that. Like, I broke down during her monologue. I just, I literally couldn't handle it. I was like... A sense of loss. Yeah. Beyond what has already been lost. It's insane. It's so... It's so in her core. And it's so in her body. She knows it. She knows there's Mm. something there. And how about the parallel of, like, her dream was to fly... And you can't get much more grounded than driving a cab. Mm. Like it is so, she is so grounded all around. Yes, yes. And what is it like? I think it's also a bastardization of like this dream of transporting people, right? Yeah. Being a steward of the sky, right? Like she's actually doing it on the ground. She is taking people from point A to point B on the ground. Yeah, she would be dressed beautifully in the sky with her scarf and being Mm. of service and smiling and everybody's more or less in a good place. And Mm -hmm. instead, she's driving around drunks and people Mm -hmm. getting out of clubs, people too much in a rush to even say hello properly or for Mm. her to engage with. Mm -hmm. Like, it's just such a chopped up version of what she wanted her dream to be. Yes. God. Yes. It's Mm -hmm. a lot. Like, I, I mean, I thought episode six was brilliant. It was very well done. It was well done. And then he kisses her at the end, and that's this whole thing. So, Have we gotten to her husband yet? Oh, well, we haven't talked about the husband. Do you want to talk about the husband? Let's talk about him. talk about the husband. Let's talk about it. Talk. Let me know. Let let the husband be a testament to how, in retrospect, something can be such a bad idea, Mm. but you don't notice it at the time. The guy yeah. was a robot. Like, mm-hmm. when she, I mean, the first impression alone was psychotic. Oh, I, I lose patience. So on the 15th, I change the calendar date to the next day. Or the way, yo, the way he proposed. Oh, my God. Here's the biggest red rings, flag. Pick out the one that you want. And if she, if you should decline, send them all back by February, the whatever. And I'm like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> this is so terrible. Yeah. I thought he was a problem from day one. And she didn't see it. She didn't see it. She was still full of like that optimism and she only saw the best in him. And you're going to tell me that her mom didn't see the issue in the man. I guess I think with the mom, what's going on is because here's the weird thing about the mom. The mom is super blue collar, like Mm -hmm, super mm -hmm. blue collar. Yeah. So even though like she did a lot of shitty things, I hesitate 
to drift into a point where I would call her a full-blown villain. She's not a full-blown villain. But she has But bad, she has a villain. She has a very... Hmm. She has a very who low was the biggest class threat? idea was... of what high class I... is. Ooh. Say, that example, Say that again. Say that she again. She has a very low class idea of what high class is. Ooh. So for her, it's very rudimentary because she doesn't run in circles of even the standard middle class. Like she's had to work her whole life. So her concept of a good life is, okay, so the guy's a bit of a weirdo, but my daughter will be taken care of. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, the guy kind of like treats her a little bit poorly. But at least she'll be okay. She lives in a nice house. Mm-hmm. Like her concept of sacrifice. Money equals ha- happiness is yeah, in her mind. Yeah, money equals happiness. And also money can forgive a lot of stuff. Like, okay, you either have a hard life with somebody who's a weirdo or you have a hard life because you're working three jobs and trying to eat. His family was horrible. Horrendous. Guy. Especially, yo, I wanted... I wished for a second that this would be a Korean drama on the <laughs> confrontation between Yae and her husband's mom. Oh, that like, was fantastic. I wish that she scene. would have slapped. Oh, that that scene. You have any notes on that? Because I like right off rip. I love that scene. Um, so Yae's husband's mom is basically uninviting Yae's mom to a party. Where mm-hmm. there's going to be some important doctors They're there. snobs. Yeah, they're snobs. They're out and out snobs. And she's like, we can't risk her getting drunk again. And you see her husband just like giggling, like smirking. And I love how Yaya stands up to her. She's like, you know, I've never want, I never want to be like my mom. I never want to be a woman who has to work so hard just to get by. I don't want to do the low class things that she does. But if I'll be I'm damned. Yeah. <laughs> But, if I let yeah. you talk shit about my mom in front of me. I love that. She's like, yeah, my mom's never, my mom has never had, she's like, also my mom's never had the luxuries that we have. She's never had $25 or 2,500 yen yeah. organic tomato juice. She hasn't had this. And that's because she was busy yeah, raising, raising me. me, buying me clothes when she could, when she had to wear the same thing every day. That shit like rocked me. Like she's like, yeah. no, she's like, I don't want to be like her, but it doesn't mean you're going to talk shit about her. Yeah. She doesn't deserve. Yeah. For you to talk shit about her. Amazing. I was like, come on, yay. Do more, more. She packed her <laughs> shit and she left too. She's she like, left, bye. bro. <laughs> she was like deuces. I'm Yo, done. I hated that guy. And the way that he would treat uh, Susuru too. Yeah. Like just really drilling him down. Like, yeah. Please. What I, I loved about the differences between them, between her ex husband and her, was that she's a dreamer. Yeah. And she encouraged her son to dream and be creative and explore love even though she kept saying like i don't believe in love i don't believe in fate and whatever like she helped her son big time big time with his little like relationship with the girl (laughs) the questionable relationship the questionable ass stalking relationship that he had with that girl oh my god yeah you don't have to do what your parents did bit oh well oh let's we'll get to that we'll We'll get get there there. that's like the last episode but yeah yeah. the the whole breakup between yae and the the ex-husband long time coming yae i can't believe it was the the mom actually that was the camel that broke the the straw that broke the camel's back so to speak Mm -hmm. in their relationship she was so subservient it was painful to watch yeah she was going along with everything 
she yeah. like they would throw so many pot shots at her and she's like okay whatever but as soon as they dragged her mom into it she's mm-hmm. like no no she's like absolutely not because i guess on to her on some level it shows that like you guys have no appreciation of what it takes to get somewhere like you know it takes there's more than one way to get somewhere and it doesn't mean just because you're not the classiest person in the room that you don't have a right to be there Ooh. So I think that's where Yaya was able to connect. Okay, they're never going to respect me. They're never. They're yeah. never going to respect me because if they can see what it took for me to get here and to be a good mom and to do all this other stuff and they can see how different I am from my own mom and how much I don't want to be like her and they still don't give me credit for that, that means they'll never respect me. Ooh. So I found that really interesting. Like she's like, mm-hmm. yeah, this isn't going anywhere. I got to go. <laughs> Side note, did you like their house? In a way, it was kind of sterile, but it was also kind of It was sterile, but also mid-century. Like it reminded me of the house from Terrace House. Have you seen Terrace House? No. You should watch Terrace House. (laughs) It looks a lot like that, though. It's very... It's very ready to go. I love... uh, I love Susudu's room, though. Susudu's... Look what I got because of Susudu. (laughs) Do you see this? For those who don't know, I bought a a headphone stand, there like a know. wooden headphone stand that's super aesthetic and beautiful, and looks like a, a not very a techie at all. Like it, no, very analog. I, yeah, very and I saw it in Susudu's room, and I was like, "Oh shit, is that for his headphones?" And I immediately went on Amazon and I bought myself one, like with a quickness. It's, yeah, that room was. I need to revisit. I need to cop. Yo, some of his, his style. room was. I Dual mean, monitors, high yeah. tech, all these art books and stuff. I was here for it. Yeah, yeah, oh, but yeah, the house was nice. <laughs> nothing else. Nothing that was going on inside the house was nice, but the house was nice. Yeah, <laughs> I have a quote here from episode seven mm. that Yaya says. She says, "It's hell on earth to go forward knowing it's a mistake." Oh shit! Fuck. That was a good one. I don't have anything else for episode seven. Do you? I do not. No. Mm-mm. Okay. Episode eight. The coworker who was shooting a shot for seven episodes now decides to get on his knees to conf- uh, f- formally confess and ask her out. And I thought the pose was hysterical because he's just, he's just like, like <laughs> with the hands like straight out. A couple walks by and they're like, the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> they're just like laughing. <laughs> they're in a public place and she turns him down just as she did historically with all of her other suitors in high school Mm -hmm. but he gives her wonderful advice uh that makes her cry and he's screaming it which is very j-drama but it's beautiful yeah it worked it worked Yeah, I like that because he's like, I know you don't believe in fate, but Mm. if you're just going to deny yourself an opportunity to even try, I guess I'll support you, but it'll make me sad. I was like, (laughs) Uh, 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 why am I choked up? This man's a joke. (laughs) It's so funny that like the goofiest person in the whole show was able to like approach appreciation for Mm. fate in that way. He's like, well, regardless of what happened, you made my unbearable job great. You gave me a new love for shrimp that I never thought I'd have. Yeah. And if by yeah. some stretch I end up being a shrimp farmer, I can confidently say that you changed. You changed my life. My life. That was yeah. oh, it was beautiful. It was, beautiful. It was giving <laughs> everything everywhere all at once. Like yeah, in a <laughs> <Love> way. <laughs> you know the whole like I would have loved to do laundry with you. 
Ugh, laundry and taxes. Okay. Mm. I want to know why did Namichi decide not to go for the pasta date with Aie? That had me so tired. I was I was confused. Yeah, like he was he was there. Like he was there. He'd just broken up with his girlfriend. Yo, his girlfriend was a clown. The way that she kept like, like, I'm so sorry for that girl. But if I had to hear her speech about how her name means fixed star in the sky. What I like about she kept changing it to she's like, I'm not going anywhere. What do you mean? Even I, my name is whatever, whatever. Yeah. And it means fixed star. That means that no matter how far you stray, you can look to me and find me. And in another occasion, oh, don't worry. I'm not going to fail because I'm a fixed star. My name means fixed star. So I can survive in the sky no matter what passes me because I will Quit. always be there. Oh she my does God. this three times. It's, it's overkill. And I'm just, but she reframes it each time. Yeah, yeah. Like this running theme of like coping mechanisms in this show like fucks me up because <laughs> like we see it in ways that it works, and then we see in goofy ways like oh you should believe in fate because you changed my life, or yeah don't worry I'm a fixed star I'll be okay. <laughs> like, yeah, can't. yeah. The girlfriend or the ex girlfriend. Uh. They gave that backstory a lot, a lot. Like, they just fleshed that out completely, how he met her. Nuts. How she was a therapist, and he didn't want to talk about any of his problems, but they (laughs) fell in love, and, like, there was an earthquake that he was on his way to go get the box that they had, the the time, uh, what's it, what are those called? Not a time machine. Time capsule? Time capsule. He's going to dig up the time capsule that they put in the field. And then the earthquake happens and he goes running back to his girlfriend who's like afraid of the dark. Anyway, it's this whole thing, right? Like you're just like, okay, I I get it. Like you can move on. Right. I think the show wants you to feel badly for the ex-girlfriend. I truly do. I kind of do because her worst problem is that she's kind of ditzy. But I could have done without having it was a conflict that we didn't need to have he has so much going on in his head with all this regret and everything that if they would have removed her completely Hmm. i would have felt no different i kind of think that the show is basically saying that i think he would have been unhappy with her in the long run for sure for sure she was he cared about the first time he met her like Mm. He he didn't take her seriously, like, at all, like, ever. He didn't hate right. her or anything, but he was, like, going through the motions, like, oh, all right. He, like, remembered nothing when he was with her. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. he was like, what's up with the the bird? Like, it's not eating. And she's like, you already fed the bird. Like, he remembered absolutely yeah. nothing when he was with her. To the point where I thought, it does he have, like, early onset dementia or something that they're trying to hint at here because every time he was with the ex-girlfriend he was somewhere else entirely his head was somewhere else the bird and so was, was his on art. his head while he was watching <laughs> titanic i was like all right well that's actually if you look at their apartment too of that girlfriend it's so plain and so empty that can't be a coincidence because it wasn't like clean and minimalist it was just all white surfaces it was literally like being in a blank space mm. so it it like nothing stuck to him with this lady it's like oh okay right it was a weird place for him to be it was weird i don't know why he let 
the relationship go on for so long. I just uh, what's he gonna do? Break up and he'll really have nothing. Like oh my god, he was just going with the, he. I think he was just going. Well, he was dead at work too until she came along. He was just going through the motions every day. Like you know, mm-hmm. he's like whatever. And yeah. look at how fate brought them together. That that weird influencer girl dancing there mm-hmm. led to him being picked up in this whole other thing. Like fate's real. <laughs> anyway, yeah, no, that well, was. Well, I don't, really I just I I don't know what else we can say about her, the ex girlfriend, other than nothing. She's I, a fixed star. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. Like, there's something that's uh, bothering me about her and her inclusion and the way she's just trying to avoid everything. Like, she's just delaying the inevitable because Uh. he obviously wanted to end it with her and she just kept cock blocking that conversation. I think that he knew or rather she knew that he wouldn't do it if if she just kept interrupting. Like, whatever. Like, Uh. So do you consider Namichi a coward then? For not just no, like no, you know, I think we I need mean, to have this conversation. Period. He's and... so saddled with everything going on. Like, I think that meeting up with your first love, who suffered a blow of dementia, and falling in love or with her again, amnesia. Is that's different. Amnesia. That's different. Sorry, uh, amnesia. I think that's going to take up enough of your time where he's like, you know what, I'll <laughs> deal with this later. Like, but he did try to tell her, and in the end, he did tell her, like, look, like. When she comes up with that thing, like, oh, if you were being attacked by a bear, who would you oh want my by your God. side? And he's like, not you. Sorry. It's like, oh, yo. Shit. Yo. But don't worry. She's a fixed star. So she'll be fine <laughs> on her own. And the only, my problem is the only utility to having this character was to show a reason why he couldn't just outright be with Yai. Oh, I agree. With That's that. literally her only function in the show. Mm. So I'm not a bad character, but... That was what brings it from a 5 to a 4.5 for me. It was actually that whole bit. Right. Like, it's like, all right, right. whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he does, but he doesn't, but going back to the pasta thing, it, it's done. The ex-girlfriend is gone. And Aya actually confesses over the phone that she likes him. And he's like, wow, that's crazy, and leaves. He like, leaves! That had me so tight, and I still don't know why. Why did he do that? I don't get it. I, I like, don't get I that. About it and I still don't get it. Like, I don't understand why he wouldn't just go inside and be like, look, I have something to tell you and it's going to be really hard to hear. I, we were we were lovers. We were kids when we were in high school 20 years ago. You yeah. had an accident. And like, he, I don't think he even needs to say anything else because she no, knows she that, had an accident. She knows she forgot shit. I thought that she was going to pop out with like when she's like, I'm sorry for lying. I thought she was going to reverse Uno that shit and be like, I remember you. I remember you this whole time. I was just too shy to whatever. Right. But right. she didn't. And when she's crying, eating the pasta, I was like, oh, no. It. I was like, oh. yeah. It, I, I, yeah, I don't get it. That that was another part where I was like, um, OK, like the pasta. No, like, I mean, like just him just not just go to the date what, just She's go like to right the there. fucking restaurant i don't you're get literally it. outside yeah. yeah i i didn't get that i truly i thought he was just i i have no excuse I for the man did like it to add covid because the whole oh. thing of the show is that there's 
a lot of milestones that are going on. It, it again, very millennial writing, right? Like extremely millennial writing. <laughs> like, oh, okay, we went through this big pop star, then we got nine eleven, then we went to the huge tsunami that happened in two thousand eleven, and then we had this and we had that, and then finally we have COVID. So it felt very twenty five twenty one in that. In that yeah, respect. it's like another with thing all that of these world historical events happening. That COVID thing messed me up, though. She's the like, COVID thing like, when oh. they showed the streets empty. As she was driving around, I was like, oh. And sanitizing everything and talking to her son from, like, downstairs yeah. in the balcony. But, yeah, I think oh, they we only skipped did it for over. that. Yeah, oh, I, I agree. We but we over? skipped over the CD because she listens oh, to the, yeah. the song. She listens to First Love and remembers. And everything remembers all at once. Crying. I lost it. starts it. I crying. Like, she starts crying, for, like, next to her son who has no idea. What a touching moment with her son. I loved oh. her relationship with her son. Oh, lovely relationship beautiful relationship Mm -hmm. like and i love that they're just sitting next to each other she's like wow that takes me back and when she listens to it it all clicks together oh love that device oh my love that trope i was like yo like this it's this this is it but like there's something about like uh, i think one of the doctors or something was like saying oh her memories could come back maybe if there's like stimuli that helps her remember going to places and whatever that she had been to before and he i'm not sure but i don't think the doctor mentions like listening like auditory memory being a trigger yeah doesn't mention it doesn't I, mention but it. i want to i want to say this is like it's deep and it's real like sometimes you listen to a song and you're like wow i forgot about whatever whatever that happened when i was like listening to the song so mm-hmm. it's like very millennial of a thing <laughs> to but like what do you got to tell me about how to meet you when he's moving he gives uh suzuru the cd player and it's a huge callback to like episode two he kept her cd of first love in there the whole time the whole that's time. why when the friend gave her back the pile of cds it's like thanks for these but one of these <gasps> is missing a disc i, oh I was god. like i was thrashing right. and writhing and oh shaking my god i, I didn't even it. i was like I yo I did not even make that connection that the CD was in the CD player that they listened he had. to together. Oh my god. He kept god. it that whole time. The oh whole god. time. She never had the CD. It was just sitting somewhere cuz the jewel case was empty. Never found out what happened to it. Oh. It's like I have it It's like oh my god. Oh. I'm like <laughs> I need to like relax for a second so I can finish this podcast because that alone um, is sending me. Okay. Full circle moment. Oh my God. What a full circle moment. Oh shit. Okay. So we're now we're on episode nine. I only have the thing. The only note I have here is a classic airport scene. Yes, me too. Because she takes her son to the, to the, see his crush before she leaves the country on tour. And this is when you mentioned this conversation earlier where she says, not many people can do what they love for work. You don't need to live up to expectations. You have the right to believe in yourself. Even if it's a mistake or even if it fails, it will always serve some purpose in life. Which is a crazy subversion for her whole, like, I don't believe in fate thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Like, 
I love that she gave him free reign to do that. She's like, yeah. and after he deleted all his songs from SoundCloud, oh I'm like, Girl, my what are you god! Doing? When he did that, I was like, no, don't give don't up on your dream. Please. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god! And he runs to the airport and he sees her. Like I was like, yes, the early two thousands are back. <laughs> I love, love actually, bro. Yo, and how about her like throwing down her street driving skill? She's like doing donuts in the street, cutting <laughs> off like <laughs> cutting off entire like trains and yeah. shit. Yeah. Talk about she Tokyo Drift. I love like that moment where Susuru looks at her because she's like very like she dials the guy and she's like, yeah. "Hey, I'm not able to get there in time where I go. Oh, take this back street, that back street." She's like, got it. Then I'm going to take this road instead. And he like looks at her with this admiration like, yes. oh, shit, my mom's a G. Like, mm-hmm. this is crazy. Amazing. I love that, too. I love that, too. Especially because at the beginning, he was so hesitant to like acknowledge her. I'm glad that they got mom. rid of that fast. Like the whole bratty mm. teenager thing. Like as soon as she connected with him, she's like, oh, my God, this song is beautiful. You oh. made this. This has to be heard by everyone. It's the best song ever. And he's like, uh, like, I'm glad that they skipped over the whole yeah. um, here. I'm here this week with my mom, like trope. Like they mm-hmm. immediately got past that. Loved it. Loved the relationship. Do you think, do you think Susanoo would have like made it actually? Like in and real been life? Famous. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. You think he would have made it, like, as a so. musician or, like, you know, DJ or whatever? If those beats that he made were his, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're like, yeah. <laughs> They're good beats. I was, like, I was actually looking into it. I was like, are, they, are these real beats? I want to hear these beats. I think <laughs> I he would have made it. I, it. I, I think, but that's another really good millennial, like, tidbit there, right? The self-starter, like, you know, it used to be the kid with the acoustic guitar and writing a few songs. Now it's a kid with, like, a DJ, like, set mm. and a few apps. I, I buy it. I buy it. You buy it. Nice. Yeah. Okay. I think so. So she takes her kid to the airport. It's a good scene. And then, uh, what is it? Susudu ends up, well, no, the girlfriend, Susudu's girlfriend now. Susudu's girlfriend. Uh, finds, Tsunami. Takes a yeah. photo oh, yeah. of the guy, of, of Namichi in like, what is it? Like, they're Norway? in Israel. Israel. No, it's Israel? It's Israel. Okay. Yeah. So they take this photo. Wait, no. She went to Bro. Israel. Iceland. Okay, yeah, it was like some... Somewhere in Europe, of all places. Yes, in a remote, like, location. And he's just there chilling in the background, like, where's Waldo? I'm like, all right. Like... (laughs) Where's Waldo? It was the night... Yeah, he was literally in the where's Waldo pose, like... Yeah. (laughs) Just, like, walking, like, okay, there he goes. Okay, so they find him, and they tell her where he is, and she goes to him beautiful this whole thing were kind of reminded me of oh my god the secret life of walter mitty yeah bro yeah with the whole mountains and the yes. forest and the driving and the running yeah. what about when the guy's like oh are you chinese no i'm japanese oh there was another asian person around here who works here now oh where is it oh it's in that town over there she's like thank you and homegirl starts running i'm like i'm sorry you're gonna run to that town <laughs> I was like, what the fuck? Like, it's like 30 miles away. And <laughs> At she's least like Walter Mitty had a freaking skateboard <laughs> and skated his way oh my God, away. She's going to run there. All right. <laughs> like, she's going to just high step it. But I, I I ate it up. I was like, all right, cool. Yeah. Go no, ahead. yeah. There had to yeah. be some sort of like drama. She can't just like roll up. No, he can't just be like, you want to ride? Yeah, sure. And they just drive there. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Mm-mm. So she runs up on him and... I mean, they have this great reunion. Amazing, re- Amazing very reunion. Very earned. 
very yes i agree agree. they kiss they play hatsukoi at the very very end stop it and i was like stop it you see the difference in lyrics like Uh who would i be without you i wouldn't have made it this far if i hadn't known you i was like oh no oh shit and then the epilogue (laughs) oh my god so the epilogue where what are they running like a one like a private jet they're running like service? a private like plane service it's probably within iceland and but, she's yeah. the flight attendant and he's the pilot and and he smiles back at her and she oh! smiles back and i was like oh, it, they no. made it they made it they did it she's flying. i love the theme so much like it's never too late like they're yeah. significantly older than yeah. when they even attempted this and they're just like you know fuck it like there's yeah. no such thing as a time limit it's never too late and they did it <sighs> All right. I, so, I love this show. I, it was really good. So last couple of things that I have in my notes are the hmm. mother. Her mother never gets a reckoning. I don't think there's much to reckon. Because she knows what she did to them. To their relationship. And look, they still ended up together. So she was dead wrong. Her whole life was fucked because her mom didn't bring them back together. Didn't let her... Um, get reacquainted with Namichi because obviously she fell in love with him even yeah. though she didn't know him. But I think in a way, in a very small way, okay, it, it ties into the whole fate thing. Like, I think it just, it had to happen like this. Her main recovery was on, because imagine, okay, like it sucks that it took this long and I hate that she went everything, she went through everything that she went through. But at the same time, it's like, she was just trying to regain any memories her whole school like her whole like academic side fell apart her friendships everything in her life fell apart and on top of that having to get to know a boyfriend like oh you love me remember and she's like no like she (laughs) wouldn't have remembered the relation i believe that even though he loved her as much as she did the relationship wouldn't have lasted if they let it continue i don't think so i think that's one of those fate things of like this had to happen over time you know what I mean? Like, if we're gonna so going to buy into the fate thing, like, look at her son. Saying. Her son. Yeah. Like, yeah. there's so many things going on there. I see. But I also want the mom to get yeah. some sort of, like, why did you do this? Like, I want to, con- like, I don't know. There should have been something. I want a reason. Like, she burned, or not she burned the letters. She gave the letters back to him and was like, she's pregnant. It's tough shit. And, like, <laughs> you're and... telling me that's his mother-in-law now. Like, what, where... <laughs> Like, I'm like, what? Are we not going to talk about this? Guess so not. <laughs> uh, the other thing that I have in my notes is the color blue throughout color blue. the show. Yeah. And how, what What did you think blue meant or symbolized? Youth. I think mostly youth. Youth. Youth, okay. youth and what's that other word? Rebirth, I guess. Really? Every time there was blue, there was kind of like, it was a new moment. But then whenever the colors were like warm nothing was ever working out you know what i mean like in when yeah is in the house with her husband the lights are like warm when she's in the taxi depot the lights are like warm everywhere where it's warm it's like boring where it's blue it's like new good fiber at least that's what i thought that's what i noticed about i kind of figured that blue symbolized love Hmm. because every time I think youth is a great one. So like youth and love kind of an equal measure. And I was toying with the idea that blue meant memory. I like that. 
but I don't know. I, I would love to hear other people's takes too. Like, tell me what you thought blue meant because I'm talking like almost every scene yeah had blue in it like a blue hat blue scarf blue jacket blue sweater the blue, like i'm telling sailor you collar the, yeah <laughs> i was like all right I, and it wasn't like blue like a navy blue or something i'm telling you it was like blue like what is that blue color i know what is that blue called but it reminded cobalt me a lot blue. of cobalt blue it reminded me a lot of <laughs> 500 days of summer where summer yeah. is blue yeah. Everything about her is blue. Everything she wears is blue. Her apartment's blue. Huh. Everything's blue. So I don't know. Like, what do you think? I don't know. We already asked that. What do you think? Yeah. But his family, Namichi's family, wears exclusively red. Yeah. Exclusively. And at the end, exclusively red. Or like all red. And at the end, she's wearing red. That's, I didn't catch and that. And I was That's, like, oh, uh, yes. I love that. I yeah. love that. Which I, I think red, maybe, family. maybe red is the color of love. And then blue is, you know, some of it, like, lo- I don't know. I don't know. Family, maybe? Blue is, I mean, red is the color of family, belonging. I don't know. Blue is the color of memory, love. I, guess I mean, red sense. is the color of family and, um, I don't know, something. Unity? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't huh. know. But at the oh. end, they're, they're in red. And I was like, <laughs> hell yeah. I didn't catch that, but that, oh. yeah. Yeah, yeah, final scene. Is I'm here for it. They're in red. I'm so here for it. I'm so, oh God. This the show is really good. And if you've come this far and haven't watched it, highly recommend watching it. We spoiled a, sh- a lot of stuff, but there's some stuff that we didn't talk about, and oh. some scenes you just have to see for yourself. So, I have a stray observation. Oh, go for it. A couple of them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, real quick. One of them is Susuru. I don't know if you remember. She was like, he was like, why did you name me that anyway? Oh, oh. Stop. And you know how she was like, oh, well, you know, sometimes a child chooses. Do you know what susuru means? No, what does susuru? I'm about to cry. Stop. So the name means compelled to compose, spell, or write, or bind, specifically in the context of books and media. Like, so the name <sighs> means compelled to compose, spell, write, or bind. And so she says sometimes children choose their names. Yeah. And look, he composes. Oh, my God. He composes and he writes oh and everything. My. And I was just like. Oh, my God. I was Hand like over heart. Because I was like. <laughs> <laughs> when she said it, I'm like, wait a minute. That has to be something. So I looked up the kanji for it. And I'm like, oh, okay. So it's written like that. And that's what it means. So. Great. I... I'm emotional. I'm emotional. I don't know what to say. I, <laughs> but I've come to the end of my notes. So I'll just, I mean, anything else you want to add about um, the show? First love. I think that, I think we covered it. I like, well, yeah, the early 2000s, the PHS phones that they had for some reason. Looking back through the passport and all the pages are empty. Oh no, stop that. Yeah. You know what? I'll leave it there. I think that I love the show. I hope we get more shows like this. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, I think most people are going to enjoy it a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it's not a it's not a fast burn, it's a slow burn. But everything's essential. I don't think they wasted like even my hangups with like his like weird north star girlfriend or whatever. <laughs> like I think that they didn't waste a single bit of time throughout the show, so. Yeah. I'm here for it. And it moved. I thought it moved. It was yeah. nine episodes. Of course it moved. Yeah, I finished it in like a week and a half. Yeah, yeah. And that was like not even trying as hard as I should have. I really wanted to take in every episode. <laughs> like, yeah. So yeah. there you go. It's amazing. 
Oh my gosh. Thank you, Miguel, for coming on the show. Anytime. For uh, <laughs> watching this really emotional show and going on this journey with me. And uh, as, as we speak, your background, you have like four or five Hikaru <laughs> records behind you. You're a real fan, not a fake fan. Okay, guys? Like, it's real. All their discography. And I also, first love, they have a single for this show on vinyl, and it comes in in like two weeks. Yo! <laughs> So I'm 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 all in. Yeah, yeah. You bought in. You bought in. This is for you. When you, when it said Utada Hikaru, I was like, oh shit. There we go. <laughs> there we there go. We go. <laughs> <laughs> at the beginning of the show, I was like, oh my god. Okay, so we got to get out of here. We've got more J dramas. We got to count. We got to mm-hmm. watch and K dramas and C dramas. And we are. That is it. Like this is this has been our show. I'm Jessica. And this has been the Debake Rambles podcast. だとずっと思っていた